Well, good morning. Today, I want to take you to one of my most favorite passages for myself uh, that I found over my years walking with him, and it is in Colossians chapter 3. In our lives, we will most certainly have speed bumps and trials and things that will, in my terminology, upset my apple cart. And the reason that I have titled today's sermon, Getting Back to the Basics, it's when those things come, and they are coming, we've got to know that what we're standing on, that what we're believing in, will hold us through that storm. And just to know that He will, He will most certainly get us through. If you ever call me and you say that so-and-so is sick, so-and-so is on their way to the hospital, okay, I will immediately go to, do they know the Lord? Do they know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior? It is incredibly important that that happen. Here within these church walls, we have what we are known as, you know, evangelism. Tell someone. I like to think of it this way. So we're in a horrific rainstorm, and we're driving down the road, and as we're driving down the road, we cross a bridge. And in our rearview mirror, we see the bridge disappear. And as we're going and we see the bridge disappear in our rearview mirror, and someone is coming the other direction, do we care enough to say, whoa, wait a minute, the way you're going, the bridge is out, the bridge is gone. So, where I want to take you today is I'm going to drill down hard on Colossians 3, 1 through 3. So, I'm going to read from Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above not on things of this earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I'll say it again. If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting, at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. 
For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You may be seated. So, this book of Colossians was written by Paul to a group of believers that uh, there were some naysayers, with, if you will, within the church. And the naysayers were, were, were saying this. Uh, first of all, Jesus wasn't enough. And second of all, was that uh, you needed a secret code. In other words, you needed to graduate from seminary in order to understand uh, what Jesus was really saying. And anyway, so Paul is he's, he's telling us in Colossians 3 that A, Jesus is enough, and B, you do not need a secret code to figure out exactly what Jesus is saying to you, how you are to live your life. Now, again, I, I said to you that I, we're going we're gonna to drill down hard on Colossians 3, 1 through 3, um, Colossians 3 in itself will take you maybe two to three minutes at most to read it. It will take you your lifetime to live it out. Now, um, it's a great passage of Scripture to go to. I go to it when Daniel has a problem. Because oftentimes, it's this guy right here that has the problem. It's not, it's not out here. It's this guy that has the problem. And I need to do a reset in my mind of where I need to be. Where is my position with him? Where is my position with him? It says, if you then were raised with Christ, if you then were raised with Christ, you have, you have a testimony. You have that moment where you realize that you were going that way. And the bridge was out, and someone somehow said to you, look, the way you're going, it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. And you remember that moment when you, huh, praise the Lord, someone told me that. I remember my moment, and I remember, if you will, myself picking myself up in the church, and there might have been 200 people attending that church at that time. But they were, they were total, I was in total oblivion to who was at that church. It didn't matter who was at that church. What mattered was that God was tugging at my heart and he said, come and give your life to me. And I did. I remember, if you will, all but running down that aisle and saying, yes, Lord, no longer me. It's no longer me. I don't matter anymore. You matter. You I, Look, my life has been a total train wreck up until now, and, and, and I've done it on my best efforts. I've done it on my best efforts. I have tried. I have spent money. I have spent unbelievable amount of time trying to make myself happy, if you will, and I have failed miserably. So with all my effort and all my energy, this is as far as I've gotten, Maybe today's the day, okay, today is the day, that I'm going to set my stake in the ground and do a reverse. So you were raised with Christ. You have a testimony. Who knows it? Who knows your testimony? 
Does the person on your right or on your left know your testimony? Your testimony is your, it, it, it's yours. I love having a personal relationship with him. I love having a personal relationship with Jesus because I'm not something that was stamped in a factory. My story is totally different than yours and yours and yours. Tell your story. Tell someone what he's done for you. And there's a song out there currently playing on the radio. It says, I see the evidence, the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. In your last week, in your last month, in your last year, what evidence of him have you seen in your life? Have you told someone? Have you told someone what evidence you've seen of him? We may be the only Jesus they'll ever know. We may be the only Jesus they'll ever see. I, would, I mean, if I was king for a day, I would love to sit alongside of each and every one of you and hear your testimony. Two months ago, my nephew is a, is a youth pastor down in Richmond, Virginia. And I attended virtually one of the most amazing <coughs> church services I've ever seen, if you will, in 2021. Maybe it's because I'm attached to my nephew. I think he's awesome. But he's a youth pastor in this church. And the service, the service, if you will, uh, could not be held on a Sunday morning because it would have taken too long. It was, it was 16 people, 16 youth, giving their life to Christ, and the way they have it arranged at their church is that, or I should say the way my nephew had it arranged is you have to tell me your testimony. Before, we, before you get baptized, you have to tell us your testimony and then someone within the congregation would pray scripture over you. And what would happen, what, what happened is I, I watched this sermon, service, if you will, and, and I was the, the poor men at Bethesda, because it just happened to be the night of Bethesda. But but when I got to Bethesda mission, I was so jazzed up, I was so I was so ready to take the world on after watching all these youth tell their testimony. And then someone prays scripture over them. Do we, do we as Christians give that same aura to those that we are around in our day to day? Tell your story. So, the very next thing, I, I've, I've unpacked uh, verse 1 into, if you will, three sections. The first, the, the, the next one is, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. I like Matthew uh, 6.33. If you, if you want to get uh, drilled down, you want to get honed in on what they're talking about when it says, seek these things which are above. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added 
to you. In other words, when we keep him, husbands, when we keep him as our go-to, wives, when we keep him as our go-to, children, as we seek him, what does he have to say on our matter? What does he have to say? That at the end of the day is what you need. You're going to answer to him. Why not just go to him, seek him first? Two months ago, we had a gentleman that was, uh, he, he was in the, he's still in the army, obviously, but uh, he was stationed back here at Fort Town Gap. And um, he was back here for, for schooling. And every Sunday, he was here with the exception of one Sunday. Now, he was from Alaska. He's here in Pennsylvania. And the weekends were his, you know, his time where he could do his thing. And he chose every single Sunday to be here in this church when the doors opened. He attended our men's accountability class and he attended right here in this service. What was clearly his priority? Clearly his priority. Do we make him our priority? Do I make him my priority? So, about 30 minutes ago in our men's class, I was, I was going to go a different direction with this, and I was reminded that, you know, I'm an early person. I love to wake up early. I love to wake up early and spend, if you will, my first hour of the day with him. And the reason that I love to wake up early is because there's no other distractions. Everybody's nighty-night. And so, I'm an early person. You know, they say opposites attracts. My wife is a totally different... She, her, her clock doesn't work that way. She's a later person. What the scripture is saying is that what is your first time? What is your best time? One of the men in our class reminded me that his best time is actually in the evening, where he sets time aside in the evening when his, when his world is, if you will, normal again. And so the main thing is that we do make the time to spend with him. One moment with Jesus one moment with Jesus, and you will know that you've been walking in a foreign place all your life. So, we seek him first. We seek him first. Know that he is our first priority. At the end of verse 1, it says, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. I'm a person that, how do I say this? I get incredibly easily entertained by just sitting and watching people. If you take me to a mall, I'm going to park myself on a bench and I'm just going to watch people. I just love to watch people, their actions, their reactions to things. 
So when I read the Bible, I look at the actions, reactions of how did God or how did Jesus, how did they act or react when things happened to them? So what I see is in Genesis 2-2, creation is done and God rested. And then old Slick shows up in chapter 3. And when Slick shows up in Genesis chapter 3, the whole world turns upside down. It's the fall of man. But in Genesis 3.8, you'll see that, that God is up walking in the garden. And then throughout the Old Testament, and throughout the Old Testament, you will see God in various forms. He was in the burning bush. He was in the, uh, if you will, he was in the still, small voice after the, the, all the commotion that went on, but it was the still, small voice. But you, all throughout the Old Testament, you'll see different, different attributes of, 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 of God you know, in action, if you will. It all comes to a climax in John 19.30, so, the New Testament, of course, God becomes man and walks on the face of the earth. And in John 19.30, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he says one word, the English translated totally different uh, than, well, okay, so, so he says, to telestai. That's what he says. That's his last word. But what it's translated is, it is finished. It is paid in full. When we place our faith and our trust and our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, it is finished. Everything that we have done, ever will do, it is finished. He paid it in full. He paid it in full. So that's why in Colossians here where it says where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, in Hebrews uh, 10, 12, it says this. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 10, 12. Notice his position. He's no longer walking. He's no longer doing anything. He's sitting. It's finished. It's done. So why does Daniel get anxious? Why do I get excited about this, that, and the other when I've placed my faith and my hope and my trust in him? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplications, let your requests be made known to him. And the peace of God, oh, there it is, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, it don't make any sense, but do it anyway, will guard your hearts and minds through him. So, Colossians 3.2, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind on things above. Now, I heard this probably about a month ago. One of the ladies in our church uh, told this to me, and I, and I just love it. So if you would, put your name there in the blank, your name, and then one, two, three, eyes on me. And then my response would be, four, five, six, my eyes are fixed. 
One, two, three, eyes on me. Four, five, six, my eyes are fixed. So the song that we sang, Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Okay, that song brought me right here. I went all the way back to my childhood days of when, when I was in, if you will, Bible school then, and I heard that song. And over the years, I have used that song as the guidance for my life. Do I need to be listening to that? Do I need to be looking at that? Do I need to go with that person? They say it's going to be fun. And sin out of the gate is fun. Set your mind on things above, but not on things of the earth. So within our church, last year during the pandemic when pretty much everything uh, was virtual, a young man in our church chose, and you can underline that word, chose, chose to start a Thursday night men's Bible group. I didn't ask him to, and I don't think anyone else in this church asked him to have a Thursday night Bible study. But how cool it is in my mind that he set his mind on things above and chose to start his own men's group on a Thursday night. Is there something that God is tugging at your heart and asking you to do? On my end, I have one, and we'll see where, that, where, where that, 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 that pans out. I think I know who's gonna win. So, what does God say about my situation? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I'd mentioned a little bit about uh, 2020 the year 2020. It seems like, and I've even heard it in here, within these walls, is that 2020 was negative. And to a degree, it was. I think it caught us off guard. I think it was a whole different thing. But now, if you reflect, if you look back on 2020, what good came out of 2020? I'm sure that if we looked in the rearview mirror and said, what has God done for you in 2020? I, I, I'm sure within here, we could come up with a pretty significant list of the good things that came out of 2020. I don't want to discount what did happen. But let's not dwell on the negative. That stinking thinking will take you down in a minute. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I was talking with a young man before I came up here about transformers. He's a transformer person. So I said to him, so, so, so it, it was this and now it's that. And he said, yeah. He said, it looks like just a, a normal item. He said, but then it transforms into something useful. Huh. So weren't we just running the mill before? Weren't we just going with the flow before? And when he transforms us, all of a sudden, we become a useful tool in his hands. So when we set our mind on him, when we set our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, please hear me. You will, you will face trials and tribulations and hardships. You will. But we know where our faith and our trust and our hope is found. It is found in him. And please go through that storm with him. Go through that storm with him. Don't try and avoid it. And when you come out the other side, when you come out the other side, you'll see. Verse 3, it says, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. About three years ago, there was a man here in our church that was really going through it. I mean, he was, huh, uh, to say that uh, in, in my mind, what I saw was that he was being uh, bullied. He was being targeted. He was being persecuted for his faith at his place of work. And so he would call me, I don't want to say on a daily basis, but he called me a lot. And praise the Lord, that's what he did. I say that because it's, the world says, just go find a bottle. The world says, go find a pill. But he did not do that. He said, he called me and he says, do you have a scripture for me? that I can concentrate on today so that I can get through my today. He knew that going to his place of work was not going to be easy. And then, of course, he said, would you pray with me? And we would. And we did that for a, a pretty good amount of time. See, he was going through it couldn't see. It says your life is hidden with him. But when he's going through it, he's blind, he's blind by the storm. He can't see the other side of the storm. But then about two weeks ago, he called me. He has since moved on from that job. The, God, the good Lord has given him a much better job where he's very appreciated and so on and so forth. Two weeks ago, he called me. And he says, hey, he says, I want to just share something with you. He said, uh, you remember, he says, uh, those passages of Scripture, remember how you used to pray with me? And he said, how it was, you know, such a, such a help. He said, he says, I found another person at my current place of work who is really going through it right now. And he said, I'm using those Scriptures that you gave me 
He said, I didn't see it then, but I see it now. When we go through it, we may not understand it, but He will get us through. Eyes on Him. Eyes on Him. It's incredibly important. I, I, I say that, please hear me. This is what this guy right here needs to do every day. Eyes on Him. Eyes on Him. There is so much in Colossians 3 that I think if we truly bore down into Colossians 3, I believe we could talk about Colossians 3 probably for six months, maybe even a year. That's why I love Colossians 3. It speaks to me every time I pick up that passage of Scripture. There's two points, two more points that I want to make found in Colossians 3. And the next one is Colossians 3. 13. Colossians 3.13. It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. On Surprise, surprise, I'm not a perfect person. Surprise, surprise, I, I, uh, you know, every day I will say something that I shouldn't have said. I will think a thought that I shouldn't have thought. I will do my best to stay out of the weeds, but somehow or another they sure seem attractive at times. And I find myself, you know, kind of like the stickum glue. I just get stuck there. And, and then I, wow, how did I get here? So at the end of the day, sometimes it's incredibly obvious, and other times I need to ask him, but I know at the end of the day, I need to go to him, and I need to ask for his forgiveness, and if possible, go to that person that I've offended, and I know that I've offended, and ask for their forgiveness. It needs to happen every single day. When you do that, when, when I do that, I'm telling you, my sleep is so much better. It is. Because, see, if I, I wouldn't want this to happen, per se, but if I were to not wake up again ever here, okay, I know I'm good with him. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. My wife may misunderstand me or, or someone else may misunderstand me what I said, but what I, God knows my heart. God knows your heart. Go to him. Go to him. Uh, again, my, one, of, uh, one of my favorite passages of scripture that I use when I pray is this, Psalm 139, 23, 24, where it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me, lead me in the way of righteousness. See, I'm not, I'm not concerned with, per se, anyone else. And that's not being self-centered, but to a degree it is. I'm self-centered with him. 
How is my walk with him? At the end of the day, I answer to him. We all do. Forgiveness needs to happen. The last thing that I want to talk about in Colossians 3, and again, these are just two, the last two are just two items that I don't want to gloss over. It's found in Colossians 3.17, and it's also found, yeah, it's, it's also found in 3.17 and 3.23. Let's look at 3.23. It says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So most of you know that my, I'm being sarcastic here, but you know my favorite color is pink. Okay, so what if I were to wear a uniform that was all pink and on the back it said Christ follower? Christ follower. Would I represent him well in whatever I was doing? It says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Oh, by the way, this is not just your work ethic, your nine to five per se. This is your work ethic at home. This is your work ethic within this church. This is your work ethic wherever you are. And oh, by the way, let's keep going. I was told that I believe it to be true that you will never find the word retire in the Bible. What you will find in the Bible is you will find refire. In other words, you were going that way and he relit your fire and now you're going that way. So because you are refired, refire for him. Don't sit. Don't sit. Whatever you do. Okay, so last year during 2020, we can't meet in person. Someone, actually several of you, within this church went right down through the, the church directory. And because we couldn't meet in person, they wrote a note. Just a note of encouragement. Put a stamp on it. Gave it to the post office. It'll be delivered when it's delivered. And whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord. So, I'm thinking that the, getting a card in the mail uh, is, is, if you will, I think it's dying. I truly do. And I think it's sad. I want you to think about this. How many texts, how many emails did you print out and put on your refrigerator? I think I'm keeping that one forever. Well, when was the last time you got a card with their handwriting on it that you kept that and put it in your drawer or put it on your refrigerator? Don't negate the power of a simple, encouraging card to one another. And whatever you do, do it to the Lord and not to men. This past week, 
in our home. If anyone knows me, they know that I absolutely hate plumbing. I can't tell you how I hate plumbing. You do not want to call me for plumbing. However, I had a young Christian man come into my home on, during this week, and he did some plumbing for me. Now, he did it, if you will, in his, if you will, his imaginary uh, pink uniform, Christ follower. He was kind. He was cordial. He did everything beautifully. Do we do the same thing in our jobs? Are we taking a little bit extra long on that break? Are we deliberately slowing down? Maybe we get some overtime out of this. And whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord. I will just, if you will, bring it to uh, like a head, if you will, to an ending here. I like uh, what, what uh, the message says, if you will, uh, about Colossians 3, 1, 1 and 2. And it says, it says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue those things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. As our worship team comes forward. Oh, most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your guidance, Lord. Lord, I'll ask right now, Lord, that if I said something that was out of place, Lord, that you just let it go away. Lord, I thank you for who you are and how I am so secure in you. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know you as their true 100% security, may they know that. May they know you. Help us, Lord, to seek you. Help us, Lord, to just grow more and more in you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.